Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It's another day to change the world. Today's interview is with Dr. Isaac Mostovich. And if you are someone who has ever thought about conducting business across cultures, then this episode is for you. He dives into the type of mindset that you need to have when you're connecting with people that are different from you. We definitely talk about a lot of things like him growing up as a third culture kid in Israel and moving to Europe. Also from, you know, moving from Europe to all the other countries he went to, returning back to the UK running a business in the United States. And we really dive into what he needed to do in order to make sure he was successful in these locations. Hope you enjoy the episode. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of As Told by Nomads, and today's episode is with Dr. Isaac Mostovich. Dr. Isaac has been a leader and an innovator in the European diamond industry for 30 years in Belgium, and he's an expert consultant academic in the field of luxury marketing. As a PhD in luxury management from England's University of Northampton, he currently presides over Janus Thinking Limited. He advises Cairo Diamonds and integrates personal development and business growth as an, inter- uh, as an inspirational business coach. For these reasons, we're going to be talking to him a lot about his background, how he moved, how he adapted things mid-career to understand the change in diamond market, and why he believes being a luxury consultant was what he was meant to do. Welcome to the show, Isaac. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. The pleasure is mine. The pleasure is mine. So I did a little bit about, uh, I talked a little bit about who you are in the intro. Why don't you tell us how you got started, you know, where you're from and why you moved around so much? Yeah, okay. I was born in Tel Aviv, in Israel. Um, as a kid, as a teenager, uh, Israel was kind of isolated place. That means that uh, we had here and there people coming, visiting us from abroad. Uh, but Israel was really disconnected. That means um, for somebody to travel abroad was a big thing. Uh, for somebody to come over was even bigger. So uh, we lived here um, in Israel, kind of in isolation, uh, living our own life. 
Uh, it, things started to open after um, uh, 1967, after the Six-Day War, and more people were um, moving, uh, coming to visit Israel. So uh, Israel became a little bit more, um, I wouldn't say cosmopolitan, but uh, started to have an influence from abroad as well. And the, um, a few years later, not a few years, about uh, 10 years later, uh, when I uh, uh, got married and uh, was, uh, had an opportunity to move to Belgium, uh, which for me it was the first time actually that I sat on an airplane traveling traveling abroad. Well, I never sat, uh, I, I never flew with the airplane. It was everything was new for me, and the, um, arriving to a different country uh, with a different culture and even. Uh, when I was within the Jewish community, the Jewish community in Belgium and the Jewish community in Israel, although they had a lot of similarities, I could see the difference in culture because of the uh, economic uh, position that at that time Belgium, were, the, the Jewish community where I lived in Antwerp, Belgium, was uh, very, very, very affluent. Um, something that I couldn't see here in Israel, uh, the entire community was kind of affluent. Yeah, I could see here and there uh, people who were very wealthy, but you, that to have an entire community uh, that uh, lives in a really comfortable life, I couldn't see. I, 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 it was for me a first time. Then I had a shock um, meeting people that are not part of my community, people who are with different culture, with a different language, and the, uh, sometimes people that I didn't even understand what they're talking about. And I was invited, <laughs> I was invited to, um, to join a um, very, very, very successful uh, diamond business, uh, uh, diamond manufacturing business. And the uh, first thing first, I had to learn the to learn uh, my, uh, uh, my uh, to learn to be a polisher, and because of uh, many uh, times that I had to stop uh, working, going back to Israel, um, the period of uh, forming me as a polisher was a little bit longer uh, than usual. Normally, we were looking for six to nine months forming a polisher, by me it took more than a year. Now, sitting there, uh, I uh, could practice my English, but I had I knew that I had to start to learn Dutch. And then at the same time I learned French, because French was the ongoing uh, language within the Jewish community. Dutch was the ongoing language in Antwerp. And uh, I had to gain command in two new languages that uh, I didn't know where to start with. So uh, I had to attend school <laughs> and the, uh, practice myself <clears throat> and sitting next to the polisher who knew a little bit of English so he could help me. And I was used, used to come with my homework and he used to, correct, to help me correcting my homework wow. in Dutch. Wow. Wow. And it's not, it's not only the language, it's the culture. Uh, because the the uh, uh, 
Dutch people, Belgium, uh, Belgium actually was established in 1830, but the people there lived uh, for hundreds of years in the same place and they developed their own culture and developed their own way of thinking. And when we start to uh, uh, talk to them, start to integrate with them, I had to understand what their culture is. I had to learn to respect a different culture. Yeah. And the, uh, after one and a half years, all of a sudden I found myself um, uh, running a, a, a polishing plant because the one who used to run this, that polishing plant fell sick and they, uh, for uh, some time I took over, he never came back. Oh, whoa, whoa. Um, <laughs> no, he took uh, he took a, a different job within the, within uh, our operation. Yeah, and he moved. Actually, he operated a lot with Africa, so again he had to have a different different culture, and I had to start to work with the Dutch people, and the um, when you manage a, a company, when you manage a factory, it's not enough to know. Uh, to speak up your opinion, but you have to understand people's feeling. You have to understand people's goals. You and especially when uh, the factory that I got was kind of a factory, which was a large factory, but good polishers, but not exactly trying to do its best. Yeah, yeah. And the um, I remember sitting with a um, manager of the factory. And I dictated to him what kind, how I want him to polish certain goods. And at a certain, at that time, my goal was to to cater to two clients of ours that I knew that they are going to buy the certain type of goods on a regular basis. Every year, an offer would come. And we will discuss price, and then we have to uh, uh, to provide for them uh, with the goods that we accumulated over the year. Now, knowing how to package those goods, I uh, yeah, polished uh, my goods in a certain way that uh, a professional who would look at a pile of goods would get sick because then. Uh, uh, Every diamond looked different. Every diamond was polished in a different way. It was ugly. It was, um, uh, but uh, I remember my father-in-law yelling at me that I destroyed entire production and then many, many uh, thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I told him, don't worry. I know this pile of goods, we might have a problem with 10 diamonds. Only. Which when you are talking about hundreds of diamonds, eventually the customer came and they placed an order, and I started to package and uh, to uh, uh, to arrange the order. And as I said, ten diamonds I had a problem with. Five, he I man he managed to swallow five. We left with, and the um, this. Went for two, three, four years, and then uh, Japan started. Okay, I have a um, uh, soft 
uh, I've kind of loved to, to Japan. I um, practiced karate for almost 45 years, and my direct teacher is the one who brought karate to the, to, to the West. And the, um, I decided that, okay, if the market there in Japan is uh, starting to grow up, maybe I'll open an office over there. And the first address to ask for help was my teacher, my karate teacher. Do you, does he know somebody who can help me? Of course, he introduced me to uh, uh, one of my uh, colleagues, one of my uh, of another student of him. I sent him to Japan, and I followed suit. I moved to Japan, a new culture. Not now. We are not talking about Europe. We are not talking about the specific culture of um, Belgium, of the Dutch part of Belgium. We are talking now about the uh, Japanese culture, and. Uh, here, I didn't understand the language at all, but I had to, you know, you ha I had to adapt to their culture. I have to understand their culture. I have to understand what they are doing and uh, what is, uh, how to behave toward them, how to respect them. And it's quite easy uh, to try to adapt when you talk to people. You talk, you discuss, you ask questions, they answer. But here, I'm sitting in front of people who don't speak English, and I don't speak Japanese. And they ask them, uh, and we discuss through an interpreter. And I have to keep on looking in the eyes and follow suit, and trying to understand through the body language, through few words that I catch here and there, what they want, what do they mean. And it was was fun. I uh, enjoyed very much that period that uh, I worked in Japan. We worked in Japan for uh, more than 10 years. Uh, we started before the bubble economy started. We uh, were one of the few who still stayed a few years after the bubble, uh, the bubble, uh, the bubble collapsed. And um, then I moved to America. And America is again a new, uh, a new, uh, <laughs> a new world. And you are talking from uh, New York. And New York is not America. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> uh, you talk to, uh, uh, to New York people, and they are a folk for themselves. They are, they are people for themselves. Th these are New Yorkers. They are not Americans. They are New Yorkers. But my people, I had one who was uh, located in Los Angeles, different culture, different uh, way of uh, thinking, different behavior, different way of life. And then I had uh, still have um, um, my partner in uh, North Carolina, in the South. Again, completely different culture, different behavior. The, um, the uh, California are, are the secular people. Um, North Carolina, are they are very religious. I cannot talk to him on Sunday or on Wednesday because he goes to the church. He has church work to do. And the, uh, it, it's not that uh, you, uh, you go from bump to bump to bump and uh, uh, again, okay, again a new culture. You, uh, what I learned is to respect. I have uh, somebody, uh, a new culture to absorb. What I managed to do with all those kind of changes 
even when I came back to Israel, and Israel, uh, I wasn't there here in Israel, although I came to visit uh, on a regular basis. And uh, every year uh, I, I was here several times, uh, uh, coming to Israel several times. But still, living in Israel, after I wasn't here for almost 30 years, the culture had been changed. Uh, all, all of a sudden, I started to face certain difficulties. I started to face um, as a different mindset. The world com has completely changed. Now, it's not about struggling again and again, but it's about, okay, I'm now going to enter a new culture, and I have to respect it. And I, I've learned to start to ask questions. Okay, what do I do here? What, what kind of questions should I ask? Help me with the culture, even though I'm supposed to be an Israeli, but I wasn't here for 30 years. So things have, ch have been changed. Can you help me? And uh, now with the consultancy business that uh, uh, I used to do it with my customers, with the diamond customers, that uh, most of the time I spent with them, I was on consultant, consultancy, actually what I'm doing now. But now I put away the diamond business uh, almost to, uh, um, almost on, on the ice and um, concentrating fully on the consultancy. It's a completely, uh, it's again a different, a different, uh, um, a different culture. And it's a complaint uh, again, a different, uh, a different language. And uh, for example, uh, academia. I went to England. I went to UK. I know my sister was British. I know her and her family, and I have a lot of friends uh, from UK, and they are British to the bone. But when I had to enter academia in uh, uh, in the UK, it's a completely different world. It's a new world. And again, I had to learn, I have to understand. I, um, I think every time that I go and meet new people, I go meet people from different culture, from different worldview, from different uh, uh, way of thinking, it's you know, gives me a new facet in my uh, in my understanding. And uh, I remember, uh, okay, I gave you a small, uh, short description. I can go on and on and tell you stories. Uh, I had the, uh, I had my my. I told you I had in my, in my cohort. I had an uh, an Nigerian uh, Nigerian colleague. Yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. Very interesting. His PhD. Was um, I? Unfortunately, I, uh, I, he left us after two years. I don't know why, but uh, his P he was brilliant, and his PhD was something that I imagine people from uh, people come from Africa or people. Uh, for example, I do business in uh, um, in Eastern Europe. Who, who can relate to it? Um, he was working for a German company, big, a large German company which base was in South Africa. And now you can imagine the Western white people trying to do business in black Africa. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. 
That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. And the, I'll, I'll, I'll put it in a kind of, kind of a joke. You know, when the, they're trying to do business in Nigeria, when the contract is not a contract, the date is not respected, and even though you can't sue anybody because if you are the one to suing a black guy, most probably the, the, the judge is going to rule against you. And if you try to bribe, the other guy is going to bribe as well. So yeah, no assurance. And they were, and this, uh, this, um, German company was a clause. How can we do business in Nigeria? And this, uh, guy named Falabi, who was a Nigerian, very intelligent, told them, you are a first world company trying to do business in a third world company, in a third world, uh, um, economy. You have to understand what they are doing because there's logic over there because you cannot we cannot come and say nothing is working nothing nothing is respected it's all corrupted still people are doing business that means there is logic within what you think chaotic life there is logic in what you think what you call third world and he tried he started his phd and i could relate to him i could understand okay there is Nigeria still has a very strong economy. Nigeria is still a big country. They're doing business. You just have to figure out how to do business. You just have to figure out the rules. You have to know. Uh, you have to know that you cannot apply German rules in Nigeria in Black Africa. And once you understand it, everything is fine. I remember when uh, we uh, worked in Africa, we worked in uh, Sierra Leone, and it was fine. We had to know the way, how to do business. We couldn't, we can't impose. That's what um, moving from one culture to another teaches you. You are one person, culture is very, very big, very, very strong, because there are many people who behave completely differently. So... You don't have to adapt. You don't have, I don't, didn't have to be a Belgian or a Dutch person. I would never be. 
and all of a sudden to become an American or Japanese, I cannot be, but I have to respect, I have to understand that I am dealing in a culture, in a, in a culture that has certain logic, it has certain roots, and it has certain customs, and I have to respect it, and I have to know how to move within that culture. It's not easy, but it's fun. Okay, so I have a few questions because you you've given us a yeah. fascinating journey, and I love I love how you you're such a good storyteller. So the greatest point that I that I love there is understanding that when you go to different cultures, you have to learn that custom, and it's not about changing who you are, but it's about respecting the culture and then um, making sure that you understand how to use do business in Nigeria yeah. in Nigeria and not have a German type of mentality. So yeah, oh, what? in Japan, in Japan, I used to come there and say, "I'm a gaijin, I'm a foreigner." Yeah. So yeah. I don't want to insult you, but please tell me how to behave. I want ah, to learn. Gotcha. So that, 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 that's what I was going to ask you. So how did you find out which ways to behave? You ask questions, is what you're saying. You ask. You ask. Tell openly. Listen, I'm going to insult you because I don't understand your culture. Okay. I'm going. I might. Ins- I might insult you, and I'm sorry beforehand about it. Gotcha. But, so, so, but so. I, I like. But I, when you talk to somebody, you say, "I like you. I know that you like me. You don't. I don't. I don't mind insulting you by mistake because you are going to correct me and yes. you are going to straighten me up. Yeah. But imagine when I move from you, I move to somebody who won't be as generous as you. And even if. I don't want to make a mistake by him. You correct now. Please correct now my mistakes. And that's what happened is when you say to somebody, you're generous, you are nice, you are kind. And actually, you, you understand that if I insult you, I insult you by mistake. You already excuse yourself. What, what, what can you say? You insulted me? Yes, of course. I told you beforehand that I'm going to insult you, but it is by mistake that I'm learning. And you have the full right to correct me. Yes. So you, you can't. He can't get upset about you, upset upset with you, and it's, it starts to be fun because you learn. You learn new things, yeah. and you move to the to, to the other person and say, "Hey, I learned something today. I didn't realize because uh, in uh, in Japan, I'm in a, I'm a gaijin, I'm a foreigner. I didn't realize that there's a customer by you. There's a customer by you, but I learned that I have to behave this way." And yeah, sometimes they would accept it. Sometimes they would develop on it. Yeah. Not exactly what you understood. You have to uh, polish it further. Fine. Share, share, share with people. Admit to your uh, shortcoming. Yeah. Don't be, don't be afraid to ask questions, and don't be afraid to admit uh, about you know admit what you don't know. You know the, the ignorance that you have in the yeah. culture. It's okay. All right. As we as we get ready to close, it, why don't you tell us what you're up to? Because uh, you, you, you are such a good storyteller. You've told us so many different stories of, of culture, of important, of uh, respect, of curiosity, um, and your career. But I'm curious, how do you work with people now? Um, what do you uh, do in terms of business? And how can people who want to do what you do uh, start? I don't know what to start. Uh, actually, I, get, uh, I have a few funny... Um, Advisors, don't start big. That means, when I say don't start big, uh, people want to be famous, for example. So, you, uh, you found out something and you want to uh, tell the entire world about it. 
And you say, okay, how can I tell the entire board about what about it? I'll take the uh, PR company and I'll they, uh, who knows, I'll make advertisement and I'll take a few few billions uh, of dollars and make myself famous. This is wrong. Don't spend a penny or close to it. Or close to it. Try to uh, think about how can I reach people. You have something to uh, great to uh, to uh, that can help the world. Think how can I uh, I can uh, reach people who can appreciate it. Not only uh, don't spend money, spend time. That's fine because we, you know those who start their business have plenty of time on their hand, but they don't have the money. Uh, so spend your time. That's what you have now. Don't spend money. Then. Another thing is, another advice I can give is, who needs you? What happens if you won't have the, this business? If you won't have this brilliant idea, what will happen to the world? Not to you, you won't have a business. But what will happen to, to the world? And if not, keep on asking. And if not, something, or are, you, are you doing just repeating what everybody else is doing, but you think that you are me, a kind of a me too, or you have something special to give, uh, something unique, something different, something that others didn't think about. And be clear about it, because that's what makes you different from the other. That's about you. Third point is, who is your customer? Ask a Ask a question who's, who your customer is. For example, imagine that you have a um, pharmaceutical company. You produce medicine. Who, you can, who your customer is? The immediate answer might be the patient. But the patient has no say. He has no say. He comes to the physician and tells, I'm suffering from something, from a certain ailment. And the physician will prescribe him something. And you want the physician to prescribe your medicine, not the competition's medicine. So you, your customer is a physician. So why the physician would prescribe your medicine and not others? Ask this question. Now, don't try the easy thing. Don't try, to, for example, because you are cheaper. Because this is a never-ending story. Then you fight on price. So you are cheaper today. Your competition can you didn't bother competition. Competition um, it will be cheaper tomorrow. You can block legally the competition. For example, what if you sign a contract? Because you sign a contract with one physician, and the competition will sign a contract with another physician. So and the uh, contracts tend tend to uh, to be uh, to be um, broken down. And uh, somebody will find a loophole and you lose a contract. And what will happen then? So there's another question that you have to look for. And all those, uh, those questions, understanding what means competition? How can I offer something that will make me more profitable? How can I, uh, 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 what actually my market is? Don't look for market share. Define what your market is, and, and then you ask, how many people are in this market? 
It might be Apple, largest company in the world by capitalization, very profitable, has a market share of about 10%. That's it. They never had more than 10% market share. But still, still they became, became the large, largest company in the world. Don't try to, uh, to, uh, uh, to rule the entire world. Don't try to eat too much. Try to do what you do best. And I can go, I can go on and on with advices like this. <laughs> that has to be developed. Has, people has to digest it, has to swallow it. Uh, it's quite difficult because I don't see your, your listeners. I don't know what their problem is. So I cannot be specific about their problem. So I do, I give now kind of general ideas. Sure. So I, I mean, I can give you some information. So my listeners are mostly millennials, you know, um, between 21 and uh, 45 for the most, most part. Okay. They, yeah, yeah, a lot of times. Uh, I think the, the larger audience are the 21 to 35, and then the second largest is the 35 to 45, and then we have um, people that are a little older to listen and people that are a little younger. And they're interested mm-hmm. in making an impact, they're interested in working across cultures, and they're interested uh-huh. in knowing, knowing how their business can solve problems. Great. So I gave you some, I gave you some ideas to think about. Exactly. Uh, one thing that I would like to say, People think that they uh, better be independent because if they are independent, they uh, um, they can uh, really develop themselves fantastically. Not necessarily. Uh, even if people are employees, they sh- still should be able to find their own freedom within the within the organizations. Keep on asking questions: Why this and why that? And try to understand. It's not kind of criticism. It's trying to understand when they got certain orders, the people around them are not really bad people. They might be work under stress because they they got the directives that are impossible to implement. To 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 implement, they had deadlines to meet that they are are impossible. They get uh, uh, they are nervous. They who knows what they may maybe they, they had a fight with their wife in the in the morning. Who knows what the problem was? But try to understand them. Try to understand what pushes them pushes them to ask you to do something which sometimes is not real. Sometimes is not uh, not useful. Sometimes is not uh, um, uh, not working. And try then you can start to negotiate. I uh, I learned it from my son. My son is a, a computer developer, as a computer programmer, and uh, he works in a in a big uh, company. And the, uh, when I talked to him, he told me they are so outdated with the processes. They are so uh, outdated. They could they need to overhaul the entire the, the, the entire system of working. But he's an employee, he couldn't change much. On the side, what he was doing, uh, he, dis- he started to develop a different way of doing his work. And eventually, after a half a year, um, the boss came to him with a job, 
and told them within three, three months you have to finish this job. After three weeks he managed to come, he got the, uh, the job finished. She was thrilled, it was impossible. Because when in high tech, when they tell you three months, you know that actually the work is for six months, but they expect you to work over, uh, over time. And he came within three weeks with a solution. How did you do it? And then he explained her what he did. He, he told, me, told her, I developed here a system. And by working with my system, I got these results within three weeks instead of three months, which saved the company a lot. And they, so they sent him to uh, present their uh, to, to present what he developed. They told uh, they started to praise him. They started to regard him in a different eye. When he comes now and say, "I need some free time because I need to think about something," they know that he might come with something which might help them in a way that they didn't they didn't even expect. So he worked out his freedom. took took some time. Was fun. But you know when he got his freedom with this with this this um, um, very very uh, straitjacket system, it makes makes him very very happy. He's an employee. He's not uh, he's not independent. And sometimes um, those independent people are in their own straitjacket. So get away of the straitjacket. Start to, to examine what blocks you, what, uh, what kind of rules or regulations that you impose upon yourself. You don't have to. Try to look into it. And do I really have to go the way I go? And then you'll figure out, uh, then you'll figure out that there are many other ways that you can develop yourself. Interesting. Wow. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, b- before we go, where can people find out more information about you and what you're up to? Few things. Number one, I have my blog. Actually, the blog is kind of um, visually is outdated. When I uh, started it, uh, I think about uh, 10 or 12 years, uh, years ago, it was top-notch blog. Today is outdated. We have to redo it, but the text, the content is good. Content, uh, people can get a lot of inspiration uh, from the content. Uh, people can contact me on Facebook, on Twitter. Well, I can't thank you enough. I'm sure someone's going to listen to this and saying that you helped them. Uh, but thank you so much, though, for spending the time. You're most welcome. Ah. You're most welcome. I must. Um, and thank you for just, you know, being who you are and being this uh, amazing individual who's so forth, uh, forthright with information. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. 
presents the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.